and gentlemen, welcome to the Friday Wrap-Up with Greg Campbell, Paul Stevenson, and David Warren. Get the latest of what's going on in Ottawa when it comes to real estate, mortgages, and whatever else they want to talk about. Have a coffee, some laughs, and learn something new each Friday at 10 a.m. Hey there. Yes, sir. It's always fun. It's always fun. The Friday Wrap-Up. We're here. Hey, better late than uh, ever. Uh, <laughs> better here than not here ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's what's up, boys? How how are you? How was how has your week's been? How has your week been, boys? Uh, how was your Halloween, Greg? That's what we should start with. <laughs> wasn't that two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But remember, we, for, we forgot to ask you last week. Um, just oh yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. What about, what about my Halloween? I've seen a big uptick in um, requests for people wanting to uh, get access to these low rates. And not uh, not necessarily buyers, but um, existing clients. I feel like that's uh, a lot of conversation now. Is There must have been a few articles that came out, uh, you know, on the uh, on the social media uh, on the Facebook and, uh, and the Twitter, um, <laughs> expressing the, uh, the low rate environment, because I feel like people that bought, you know, one, two, three years ago, or are, we're getting a lot of knocks on the door now asking about, you know, if they qualify, what that looks like, that makes sense. Um, like more, more so than ever, to be honest, probably in the last two, three weeks. Um, so that's, that's interesting. You know, it's, um, it's good that people are thinking that way. It is financial literacy month, so maybe that's got something to do with it, you know? Financial Literacy Month, you know, and, and I, I should know this. That's uh, I just was not paying attention. November is always Financial liter- Literacy Month. That's a fact. Is it? How, how long has that been a thing? I don't know. Let's uh, you googly this. Let's let's Google. Let's let's use the Google. <laughs> and see. Financial Literacy Month beginning. Um, I would, I'm going to guess 10th anniversary, 10th anniversary. Great. I'm going to guess 2010, 10 years of financial literacy month. And Greg Campbell is still illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think funny. Alone. I don't think we're alone. That's why there's a month, that's why there's a month dedicated. That's what, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the whole uh, month of the year is dedicated to financial literacy. Uh, I think it speaks to, uh, I think it speaks to just our, the lack of, at least from when we were growing up, like kind of the lack of education around finances and credit and uh, everything that comes along with that, right? I mean, you're kind of thrown to the wolves when you graduate and get a job. Yep. And, uh, you know, your parents might tell you to, you know, you better put some money aside for uh, for a rainy day. You know, that might be, you know, depending on what your structure is or your community, you might not get any advice at all until uh, until your buddy's uh, goading you to go to the uh, the bar in Quebec with your first $500 student visa. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's where everybody should go with their first five hundred dollar visa. Yeah, that's a bar in yeah, Quebec. Never, Why, like, never, I don't, I don't, I don't have any money. Never need to repay it. Shots for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. So I get one night. I get five hundred dollars now, and I can pay you back later. It's like it's a very strange concept <laughs> to understand as a seventeen-year-old without a full prefrontal cortex. Um, what this all means. 
<laughs> I, I do believe that there will be more 17 year olds not doing that because there's so much more education than when we grew up. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is great. Yeah, so my son's school right now. He's in grade nine. My oldest son, and he—they're learning a lot about like he's got a business tech class now, and a lot of that is actually they not only learn about business and technology as far as like developing business cards and websites and all that crap, but they also uh, are learning about like you know taxes within the business and not 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 like into too deep, but he kind of grasps like he was asking me questions about. Uh, finance with regards to business, which I found very interesting. And I'm happy that they're at least just having those discussions or planting a seed in grade nine so that as they, you know, get older, they just assume that that's the norm and not, right. uh, not a one-off. Like when we were in school, I think my business class was typing, you know, like it was just, uh, yeah. found a way on the keyboard, uh, watch the fish, uh, go across our math race. You know, you're trying to, trying to type in or put in the answers as quickly as possible on a land, a land network, you know? uh playing against your classmates but it's a little more complex now and uh watching the projects he's doing i mean it's similar pro you know similar presentations that i put together for for a seminar or anything now you know so they're actually teaching them like tangible tools and resources which i think is great nothing to do with financial literacy but i mean in general even you saying that they're learning about taxes you know business like that there's taxes associated with a business you know it leads me to believe that they're financial you know you guys would be able to answer this i don't i'm not sure paul if uh, if your daughter went uh serena you know had those classes for finances but talk about credit more about credit cards or you know savings things like that that you know they never talked about for us but I think they're starting to implement those more in, in the schools, which is good. Yeah. And I think in math too, like a lot of the problems now are, you know, you know, this plus plus tax or, you know, with this much, you know, if you invested, like I saw he had a quiz that he was studying for and the questions were, you know, if you have X amount and you're getting compounded interest for five years, how much do you have at the end of the five years? Like they're actually learning. Like, I don't remember learning that specific of no. a, and I don't remember much of my, you know, grade nine <laughs> math class. But I was also decided not to go, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was okay in the general math class. General math, not advanced. I thought grade yeah. nine was just elective. I thought everything was elective. Recess. Still recess. Yeah. Oh, man. It's funny now, actually. We, we've had a few, uh, we've had a few high school teachers that have kind of come full circle in our, in our network, like just being like back then we have a, a teacher actually the the keep it legal keep it vertical teacher uh you know was a uh kind of he was teaching uh i think it was like construction, construction yeah basically at school uh and was known for you know tanning at lunch hour in the, in the middle of the uh, soccer field um <laughs> but now he's like you know he's retired and he's working with a couple of our friends who own construction companies and it's just awesome to see everyone like grow together you know come, cool. come back together yeah it's pretty neat yeah. Um, so, anyway, so getting back to our, uh, refinance and the low rates, um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've done a few calculations this week and a lot of people just asking questions and, and it really does vary, um, like whether or not it makes sense. The question for anyone that kind of tuned in late is, you know, the question was around in a low rate environment, does it make sense to restructure my mortgage? Even if I have, you know, a two and a half percent or 2.75% rate, doesn't make sense to break that mortgage now in the middle of my term and get a lower rate to get some, you know, interest savings, payment savings, et cetera. 
Uh, so I have done some calculations for clients where the penalty has been upwards of 20 plus thousand dollars to break their mortgage, um, which obviously is never going to make sense to do. Uh, well, very likely, very unlikely. Um, but they had a, you know, a rate in the low threes. So, you know, the way penalties are calculated does differ from lender to lender. So, you know, a, a major bank is going to calculate a penalty different than a monoline bank or like a mortgage focused bank. And these are also things that we often tell clients to consider is the penalties do differ depending on the lender. So just saying it's a an interest rate differential or what they call like an IRD penalty. Um, the IRD is not a blanket penalty. It changes based on the bank that you're with. And it can be a difference of, you know, five, ten thousand dollars in that penalty. It's not a it's not a nominal amount. Um, so, you know, it's it's something that uh that is worth considering. And, and like I said, some are $20,000 and I've done others that are, you know, two grand, uh, which the clients will make up in interest just in the next 12 months in payments uh, and in interest savings. So there are a lot of opportunities there for people that are existing homeowners to restructure and, you know, especially with, you know, COVID and, you know, unexpected expenses or, you know, I don't know, there's a lot of things that have happened this year. Uh, and a lot of people have had to kind of restructure. So, in the low rate environment, there are opportunities to, um, to do that. And I, I did actually put together kind of a, an example, but maybe we can, if you guys have any, you know, points to touch on or Dave, if you want to add to that in any way. Yeah. I mean, the, um, certainly, you know, as you said, there are penalties do differ bank to bank. And I think one of the important things to kind of highlight is that the penalties on with, with the major banks are. Can't hear you. Can't. I can hear him. Can you? Oh, I can't hear Greg either. Might be me, guys. Oh, let's pause. I think so it's you. Oh, no, we're back. We're back. Do, uh, you know, with major banks uh, are calculated based on their what's called posted rates. So those those rates that you see that are in the fours and fives, you know, that they show on their board as a posted rate. Uh, major banks tech calculate based on that and are all you know basically always higher than the mortgage focused banks. Mortgage focused banks calculate their penalties based on their best rates. Um, and so it, it does, you know, best rates at that time. So it does make a substantial difference. Uh, but there are cases, you know, I, where even at, you know, uh, yesterday I calculated for somebody at 15, their penalty was $15,700. Uh, but going from a three two nine to a 2% for a rental, uh, there's, you know, over the remaining 22 months, they were still going to be saving, uh, $15,000 after covering the penalty. It's like wow. thirty thousand in total that they'd save after covering the penalty. They're still saving fifteen thousand dollars over less than two years, um, and and so it definitely uh, it can still make sense even if the penalties are higher. It just depends on what you're doing with that mortgage if it makes sense for you, kind of for what you want to do, and and something as well. You know, not only taking advantage of the low rate environment from a transfer, but, you know, as we've kept talking about and, and Greg, you keep highlighting of, of home prices, you know, going up or year over year growth rate, somebody might've gotten into a house last year, but it's gone up. Not only are they in a little bit of a higher rate, but also they have equity there that, you know, maybe it makes sense to pay that penalty, get into that lower rate and then pull some equity out to, you know, look at rental properties uh, and kind of leverage that initial purchase. Are, are you guys finding that um, overall the refinances you're getting are people actually using the money to buy a second property or are they at this point with COVID and, and, you know, work, who knows, whatever's going on, are they just kind of refinancing and keeping that money 
or are they even telling you what they're doing with the money? I'll, I'll speak for myself and uh, people I've been working with this year. Uh, it's basically all of them have been to pull equity out to buy a rental. Okay. I would, say, yeah, I would say most of mine aren't like nobody, no one's carrying a huge amount of debt where it's like a re, a, you know, a, a consolidation. There, there might be a couple things where like, ah, oh, we might pay out our line of credit, but the majority of it is either investing into the market or investing into real estate. Cause it's just, those are where the cool. opportunities are currently. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think people are seeing like the just home prices going up and how busy the market is and how good mm-hmm. rent, you know, rent the rental market is as well. Uh, that, you know, it, because, you know, anytime that, real estate or, or something, you know, is in the news, our phones ring even more. Uh, so I think, you know, with people with questions, cause it's just constantly front of mind. And I think how active the market is, there's so much news around it in Ottawa that it's front of mind for people that are, you know, you know, if they never thought of buying a rental a year and a half ago, they've been, you know, they're seeing it more and more and they're thinking, well, look at how quickly home prices are going up. You know, maybe we can leverage our equity and, and get into something. And, and so it's something I definitely, Chat to chat to people weekly. I'd say uh, about that's cool. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've been sorry, Paul. I, I've been noticing that um, <clears throat> I've been noticing much larger down our deposits on purchases lately, and it's from either pulling money out or it's uh, sold, and now they have a ton in the bank just to secure the the property. You know, in case of mm-hmm. a multiple offer. Yeah, like fifty k deposit, which is insane. But yeah, you know, it's money but, in the uh, bank. So. That's interesting. And, and I guess people, if they have their down payment already, why not put a larger deposit and make your offer more attractive? Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe to that point, maybe Greg, you can kind of explain why a stronger, you know, dep- why the deposit sure. difference would be. Uh... Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're in a multiple offer scenario, and even if you have a letter from the bank saying you're approved um, and your price is, um, you know, over maybe if someone else is a little bit higher than you, but if you have a stronger deposit, the buyer might see you as, or the seller might see you as a stronger buyer because you're prepared. You're you're going all in with um, a bit a larger amount of money on the table immediately. Uh, like you know, a twenty five thousand dollar deposit versus a five thousand dollar deposit is always, I think, going to win um, unless the purchase price is astronomically higher. But generally, if you've got a 5k deposit, your purchase price is probably going to be less than the one at 25k deposit. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, upping the offers in, in other, any other, any way you can is uh, very helpful. So, uh, you know, if you are competing, think, keep that in mind, larger deposit definitely helps in the end, along with a, a letter from the lender well, and a letter about yourself and your beautiful family. Yeah, like optically for the seller, you're going to look at an offer that has a you know 25k deposit and think, okay, well these people are have a more vested interest and also are probably more financially secure. So let's take that offer, right? They might yeah. they might lean that way. It might be like a small nuance, but it's something that could be the deciding factor, right? In that and who in which offer they're accepting, especially in a super competitive market, all those little those little things make a big difference, right? When you're analyzing it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. just speaking to the kind of the overall um, profile of the buyer, right? Yeah, um, the perception of it. I'm not saying it's necessarily accurate, but it's it's the perception right. of of who you're dealing with, right? Because all you have is a name and and numbers on a piece of paper. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> so it's Sorry to cut you off there, or uh, all, but uh, you know, with regards to deposits, you know, kind of people listening might you know not realize a deposit is is basically being held in trust. Uh, and the reason why a larger deposit would show, you know, strength of the borrower, as Paul and Greg mentioned, of you know, 
shows that they have savings or that they're more qualified potentially. Uh, but also if they, you know, show strength that they are going to go through with this purchase, somebody that's putting maybe a thousand dollar deposits, not showing confidence to the seller that, you know, this person is not going to flake and just walk away from the deal uh, because there's not much to be sued. Uh, you know, right. the seller, if they don't close on it is going to sue for that deposit uh, at a minimum. And so, you know, that's kind of, you know, proof that you're going to close. So somebody's going in with a thousand dollar deposit, it, you know, doesn't show much confidence to a seller that, Hey, this guy's going to actually go through with it as opposed to a $50,000 deposit. You know, they mean business. If you're going to sue, point. You know, that's the 50 grand they've got on the table that that's out there. Um, that's a that's a very good point because I mean even you know with everything going on in the world let's say let's say someone didn't close uh, they only had a five k deposit for them to walk away and deal with the repercussions later isn't as big as someone losing a twenty five or fifty thousand right. dollar deposit you know what I mean there's no way that they're gonna let that go yeah and the deposits all count towards your down payment as well like yeah. I think there's some mis exception around that that it's you know additional or over and above your down payment so it's contributing anyways to your to your down payment so if your down payment you know is going to be 60 grand well you could put 25 or 50k as a deposit if you know you're going through with the purchase anyways mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. because it's you know then only 10 or or what have you thousand left that you're putting down on closing um so that's important for people to realize too yeah Great for sure strategies yeah, <laughs> that's what we're here for. Strategize. So yeah, you so uh, getting back to the the penalties, I just one thing that's worth noting as well that we didn't really cover, and we're kind of just assuming that everyone understands, is that um, the penalty is typically based on one of two things. So if you're in a variable rate, your penalty is always going to be three months of interest if you break within the five years. So typically, a, a variable rate is a five year term. You're guaranteed that rate. So you know whatever it is, prime minus X amount. Um, so you're guaranteed that rate for a full five years. If within that five years you need to break or you refinance or you move or whatever, your penalty is always three months of interest if you have a variable rate. If you have a fixed rate, then it's the greater of three months interest or that interest rate differential we talked about. So in some cases, you know, if you're looking at a rate of let's say 289, they, they look at what rate you could get with that same lender at that time for the same term. So if you have four years left, they look at what the posted rate is for four years with that same lender. And if the rate is essentially lower than what you have, you pay a penalty based on the Delta because they're essentially losing that interest. By you paying them off, they're now lending that same money out for that same term at a lower interest rate. So they're actually losing money, right? So you're kind of covering their losses for that interest. Um, but in some cases, if rates are higher than when you got it, then your penalty is three months of interest. So Stephen, if you want to bring up that, that story I have there of, uh, of Jane donor, um, <laughs> Number crunching. Uh, yeah, so I, don't know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually see it. It's quite small. But if you scroll down there, so so this is a uh, Jane Donor. So she is a uh, you know salaried government employee. Uh, current mortgage is three hundred fifty thousand. Uh, her rates two eight nine. Uh, payment I think is seventeen and change. Um, and the renewal date is is three years away. So thirty six months. So the hope with her restructuring is to basically you know lower her payments. Um, save on some interest and, and just basically improve her overall cash flow. So if you, uh, if you scroll down to the next page there, so, so what does that look like? So what we do is we basically assess, you know, we have a list of all our different lenders and each of them have a different prepayment calculation, as I said. So if you, if you pay out the full mortgage, they all have a different penalty and they all have a different calculation on how they figure out what that penalty is. So we have to basically, you know, get all the specifics of the mortgage, 
look at who the lender is currently, and then go to their page, figure out what the penalty is going to be. And then once we know what that penalty is going to be, we can look at, okay, if we increase your mortgage by X amount and add it in that penalty, for example, does it still make sense to break this? You know, Because most lenders, when you're doing something like this as a, as a transfer, lenders will allow you to include up to $3,000 in like penalty and kind of discharge fees. So in this case for Jane, her penalty was $2,500. So that's under the 3,000 because it was three months interest. So we can actually wrap in that penalty right into the new mortgage and she won't have to pay that penalty out of pocket. So if it was something where it was, you know, 6,000, um, then there's two options. You can either have 3,000 wrapped in and then pay the other 3,000 out of pocket or some lenders will actually allow you to do a refinance with a cashback. So you can actually refinance a mortgage and get a cash back on that mortgage to pay off some additional, like to basically cover the cost of that penalty. So the rate's going to be a bit higher and I don't want to get stuck in the mud there, but there are solutions regardless of what the penalty is, as Dave said. So in this case, you know, if we just look at her current balance, I have the current uh, balance payment rate, et cetera, the term left of 36 months. You can see the interest that she has left there is just under 29,000 for the three years. And the principal payment she has left is about 33,600. So at the end of her term, her balance would be 316,000. So if you look at the new solution, we've added in the penalty of the 3,000. Her payment has actually gone down by almost $200 a month. Her rate is now 184, which again is, you know, we can get that currently. We can even get lower than that, depending on the situation. Um, we're renewing now for a full five years. So she's gonna get like multiple years of that savings. It's not just the next three years. And you can see just the interest that she's paying is now 18,000 instead of 28,000. And the principal she's paying is uh, 38,000 instead of 33. And her balance at the end of the, the term, so just the 36 months, is actually $2,000 less than it would have been if she stayed under the old structure. So the penalty is, you know, if you scroll down to the next page, Steve, you'll see all the savings there. Like just in monthly payment savings is $164 a month. So that works out to just under $6,000 in monthly cash savings just over that three years. And then she's also saving another $10,342 in interest for that 36 months. And then the principal is going down by, you know, a thousand some. So her total savings is over $16,000. So the $2,500 penalty is, you know, erased plus X amount. And as I said, the cost to get those savings is, is nothing because on a transfer like this, the, you know, the registration costs, if you scroll down again, Stephen, um, the registration costs, you know, these are things to consider I put in here. The registration costs will be covered by the new lender. So, you know, they, they will cover the cost of the registration uh, and also usually the appraisal as well. So usually I get about $1,200, up to $1,200 to cover those costs, um, to re-register the mortgage with the new lender and also to cover the new appraisal of that property. Um, and then, you know, as I said in there, like there's the other things to consider is that this is for the next 36 months, but then you also have to consider the last two years of the new term because after that 36 months, if you were, if you stayed where you were, you're now subject to whatever the rates are in 2023. So if the rates are, you know, I think I put 214 there as an example, you're now losing another 0.3% on those last two years, right? So that's additional interest savings that you're losing by not renewing now because you're, you're subject to another two years of a higher interest rate. Does that make sense, Greg? If I'm, am mm -hmm. I explaining that? Robert? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's lot, I mean, there's lots of savings and there's lots of things to consider. And I mean, I'm giving you very like a macro level explanation and, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds because there is a lot of different 
ways that we can do this and lots of different solutions. But in this case, you know, if, if, if Jane's now saving $15,000 and even just that, that $5,000 in payments, she can now put that $5,000 either directly towards the principal, of the mortgage and pay it down even faster. That extra, like that extra $164 mm-hmm. she's saving a month, she could still put that to the principal amount and, and lower her amortization and that principal balance even further. Uh, or she can, you know, like I said, save for an investment property. She can save for a trip. Like she has that additional cash now that maybe she didn't have previously um, just by restructuring it and, 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 uh, and everything else basically staying the same. Do you guys, when you get an application and you see the profile... Thanks, Do you have certain lenders that you choose um, automatically based on that profile? So, there, I mean, there's definitely different lenders that are like different banks that are better at certain things. You know, some yeah. banks are better at rentals. Some banks are better at like purchase plus improvements, uh, you know, lower credits. You know, if somebody's got thinner credit or lower credit, they're better. There's some that are better at like new to Canada. Um you know, if it's a uh, large for, you know, refinances, pulling out a large portion of cash, there's different banks that are better at that because some will, you know, restrict you on, you know, what you can pull out in cash from a property, like what they're willing to give out. You know, not every bank is okay with just handing over a couple hundred thousand dollars in cash without, you know, any sort of questions. Um, so it is, I mean, very much like case by case, there is definitely different lenders that are better suited for, uh, for different programs, it might be like both people might be at 5% down, but because of things within their, right. like within their credit and whether that's like one person has a thick credit profile, so they're better to, they're, they're good for, you know, more, uh, you know, a more selection of lenders, but someone else that might be, uh, have thin credit because they're maybe younger, they just finished school. They never, you know, they really only have student, a student line of credit or OSAP and maybe a phone bill that, you know, there's other lenders that are better suited for what's called, you know, creating kind of that alternate credit profile. They might so be at five percent down, but. That's cool. Cause it's basically, you know, I can imagine some people just go directly to their bank yeah. You know, and then they they have this conversation, and then they may just get turned down right away, and then the bank might not have any other options for them. So, without knowing that a broker even exists or what to do, let's say they're very new and they have no other idea, like they, you know, they might not ever. They might just think, "Oh my God, what are we going to do?" And they could go to another major lender and same thing. Um, the value, value in brokers, mortgage yeah. broker specialists. Broking. <laughs> Breaking. We are broking. <laughs> that should be our new, uh, our new slogan. Broking. Referral mortgages. Broking the future. <laughs> Speaking of literate, right? <laughs> oh, God, uh, laughing I'm at gonna, my own jokes. I'm going to check my, uh, my email, but um, my brother had the day off today. And uh, he was uh, slow on his mood boost. So I don't have any in my inbox. I texted him at like 5 to 10 when I realized it. And he said he was, uh, he was out. So his priorities are out of whack. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, clearly, maybe, uh, clearly doesn't I mean, know the, uh, the people, what the people want, you know? I know. Well, maybe before we even get to, uh, you know, 
we're going to put you on the spot for some mood boosts and we'll, I'll give you a couple seconds to, to search some, but maybe yeah. I don't know, Greg, I'll put you on the spot too. But over the last week, you know, have you seen any sort of differences in stats or changes I'm, in the market? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somewhat. Uh, you know me, I don't always have the, uh, the numbers out, but I, I have an, an oversight. I have a point of view of, of what I see and I'm seeing, um, you know, there's a lot more rentals coming to market um condos there's a lot of them now so the prices are kind of mellowing out a bit there's a lot more options and um i've noticed that the outskirts are starting to very like stabilize quite a bit as well more rural that's from my personal uh, you know experience i mean i I could be uh, i'm sure other people have different experiences but you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with just my, uh, my overview of, of what's going on. I mean, the, the row homes are still the big buys yeah. and the really nice homes are still like the deta- the really nice detached homes are still flying. Um, yeah. you know, we are still seeing some multiples, but, uh, but overall there's a little bit of a, you know, the sales are down and there's more listings, uh, coming out. Like, I mean, I think overall in greater Ottawa, you know, stretching out outside the city, um, you know, there's been th- almost 400 listings in the last three days. Mm. So, I mean, that's you know, sales are that's down. Great, that's great news for buyers. Uh, and yeah. really at the end of the day, a balanced market is, you know, or getting closer to a balanced market is definitely ideal. Obviously, we're nowhere near that, but um, it definitely helps people that are, are out there that are maybe renting or considering and have yeah. been scared away from how crazy the summer was. Blair is asking, uh, Dave Tucker's asking, are you seeing prices decrease on bids? Which I guess is... Uh... Yeah, like they're not selling as far above list what they used to. Definitely. Right. Now, now would, uh, that be, uh, would that be more responsible pricing? Or... I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I just think a lot of people are over it, so they're being more particular. I'll tell you something that I am seeing, that I have seen a bit is there are the people, there are the sellers who are late to the game thinking that their 550 is worth 700 when it's maybe worth 575. Mm-hmm. And there, there was one case where a lady had seven offers and the highest one was 100,000 over, or, or no, sorry, I'm, I'm a little off here. I think it was 75 over list that they got and they turned down everything because they wanted 150 over list. And so the agent fired the client and the house is now off the market. So, like, I mean, there's so, so there's a little bit of that going on where I think um, there's uh, some sellers who are a bit ignorant and not coached properly as to what's happening in the market. Um, and they're just kind of doing their own thing and they're going to end up um, not selling. And then they'll sell for less, I imagine, when it comes time to sell. The other thing I've been saying to buyers is that uh, it's coming into winter and winter is one of my favorite times to shop because you get good properties and there's less people out and we don't know what next spring is going to do. So if, if you're looking or if you've been waiting, I always say like focus, like just get, get into it really hard, um, with your realtor or, you know, give me a shout if you're not working with somebody and, uh, let's see what you can do. Cause winter, winter is a great time to shop for property. I love it. I love shopping in the winter because you get, you find those, 
those hidden those hidden ones and you know and you know that as soon as april hits that that same house is going up so well well that's the thing it's yeah. like you, you just you you can imagine you can imagine that it's going up like yeah. historically it goes up so why would boxing, you not shop in the winter the old boxing day sale yeah <laughs> like most of my like a lot of the flips that i've done i'd say probably five of the nine flips i've found in november december uh, beginning of January. Right. Um, there you go. You know, it's a little bit slower market, but it, but the cold kind of really people don't, <laughs> you know, want to be out. No. And, and, uh, and, and, and kind of, you know, there is a little bit for some sellers and, you know, a little bit uh, distressed properties. If you're, you know, looking for that, uh, you know, like I do, um, you know, they're a little more, they're in a little bit of more of a rush to maybe get unloaded before Christmas. They have a little more urgency there. Uh, so you can, you know, I've personally found good deals that way um you know around this time but i mean again you always got to be you always you always got to be looking but certainly winter is always is a good time i find for sure yeah and so there's Greg, proof one more David uh, Warren. Proof. christian, christian yeah. uh, is asking are you noticing less no offers until yes yeah definitely i mean yeah. i've you know there's there's less than that or people are pulling back you know i did one last week where if it was uh, if it was August, like we would have had, I mean, my guess is at least seven offers. And then, so we, we went, uh, we held offers. We got a boat. We had a bully offer. We turned it down. Uh, my client uh, didn't want to, didn't want to work with it. Wanted to wait till it was actually on Monday. And then Monday came around and we had another offer from that same buyer, a little bit higher. And then we had two people say that they, that they might, they were maybe going to submit. And then right before they're like, you know what? They don't want to compete. They're like, if it doesn't sell, just give us a shout and we'll, we'll submit an offer. And then, so we ended up working with the one from before, uh, you know, so less people, less people are inclined to uh, compete. I'm finding. Mm. <laughs> not saying it for the right house even if it's two people you know the price might still go up i mean we've talked about that a lot but uh yeah i just find you know the big the big rush is clearly over yeah for and now point that's uh for now for now that's when the deals come in yeah so that's it <laughs> that's why i'm telling everybody i'm like i've been messaging everybody i'm like look i'm like i know it's been tough i'm like it, now it's time to look I'm like, yeah. now we're going to find something nice and you're going to have room to move. You're going to have your conditions and you're going to be able to negotiate a bit. Need mm -hmm. be. Christian well. was happy with that response. He says, well said. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um, so I, uh, I have a, I have a shameless plug before, uh, before we get to the mood boost, which I did find some excellent ones. Uh, <laughs> of course we did. Um, so yeah, so you guys know, obviously, and, and I don't know, some of our listeners may know, but, um, uh, I'm actually connected with a, a boys and girls club in, in Uganda. And every year we do kind of like an annual fundraiser. Uh, usually we do it live. It's kind of like a one night event. Um, but this year we obviously due to, due to the COVID um, are having to do an online fundraiser. Um, so we're basically for the first three weeks of November, um, you can buy basically depending on your donation amount, you get kind of get tickets into a virtual door prize raffle. We have uh, 12 to 15 baskets from, uh, various different restaurants. Um, they're all listed on there. If you scroll down a bit more, even there's uh, all the sponsors listed at the bottom there. So, uh, Biagio's, um, Fades International. There's a lot of different people that have contributed, uh, a lot of local businesses, which is amazing. Uh, and to be very transparent, um, like every single dollar that we raise uh, goes 
to the ground. Like there's no middleman. There's no one taking money up the top. There's no one employed by the organization. It's strictly like the doll. Every dollar goes to the boys and girls club. Um, we're looking to raise $10,000. We're, we're at about 65% right now. And, um, there's still another week left. So if anyone is interested in, uh, helping out, that would be uh, very much appreciated. I'll actually put the, um, and I'll, and I'll say, Paul, you've, Paul's been twice now over there and seen firsthand as to where these funds go and, and the kids that it helps. So it's incredible. Like, yeah, it's, it's really, it's all about like the whole, the whole point of the project is to create opportunities uh, with education, education and, and health, you know? So every year they do a medical mission where they send 15 doctors around the world to go and basically just help everyone in the village. They see about 3000 people. Um, they were actually there when COVID hit and had to come back, unfortunately, this year. Um, but the other fees all go to the students. They pay for all their school fees. Uh, we've actually uh, supported kids all the way through university. And those kids are now back at the center giving back. They've created their own small businesses. Um, you know, we just uh, we were able to open a, a women's resource center this year uh, to protect the women, vulnerable women in the, in the village. Um, you know, there's, they, they've just created a, a hardware store in the village. Uh, so they're actually able to, you know, it's just, it's incredible. Everything that, that is happening with this is, is spectacular and um, you couldn't find a better group of people to give opportunities to. So if anyone is, uh, you know, I know it's been a tough year for everyone, but if you do have even, a, uh, you know, a couple extra bucks and are interested in, uh, in helping out, it, it goes a really long way. So $8 a month is basically pays for someone's school fees. So just to give you an idea as to how far a dollar goes. Yeah. I think, I think I'll, uh, I'll donate a year, a year worth of that. Sure. <laughs> a full year of education, yeah. yeah. And, and on a uh, on a separate, uh, you know, uh, note as well, Paul and I are. Uh, it's November. It's competing uh, charity events. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but as many as many uh, you guys know, and you guys have been, uh, Martini Madness is uh, is typically in November, uh, and support the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Uh, you know, both myself and my wife both have Crohn's disease. Had them since we were, you know. 13 years old, surgeries, everything. Uh, and so this is, you know, typically it's in person, uh, you know, where it's open bar martinis and DJ mm. and the whole, you know, good time. Uh, so this time we're doing the at home edition. So uh, we're selling baskets, comes with a, you know, bottle of vodka, your martini glasses, shakers, all your ingredients uh, and for, uh, for November 28th. And uh, the idea is, you know, baskets for four people, you get together with a couple of friends in your bubble, and, uh, and we have uh, an hour where we're going to be, we have uh, Brady Kachuk being uh, with Darren Pang, uh, you know, former NHLer, uh, broadcaster from, uh, for the St. Louis Blues. He's gonna be on with uh, interviewing Brady Kachuk, the Sens, uh, you know, one of their stars. Uh, we've also got um, uh, Tim Schleitzel, the uh, third round overall pick uh, for the Senators. Uh, and this, this year's draft will be coming on and, and uh, we'll be chatting with him as well as Mark Mathot, kind of uh, going over how the uh, how retirement's been for him and some videos as well of how to make those martinis at home and kind of a little bit more interactive. So uh, take a look, martinimadness.com. And, and, you know, you should put, the link, put the link in there too, Dave, in the comments. Yeah. Um, and if anyone wants to buy baskets, I'll, uh, I'll be delivering them personally to your house and uh, can deliver them with that uh, Friday wrap-up mug. Ooh, well, their sales just spiked. Hey, that's it. <laughs> Hold on. Mugs. Hey. Damn, I, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. all, all, all I got is support for both of you. There you go. It's all we need. Here. It's all we need. <laughs> well, yeah. shall we wrap it up? Let's see how I do on the fly yeah. here. Let's do it. All right. Question number... <laughs> Joke number one. 
Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? Great food, no atmosphere. <laughs> I like it. Um, did you know I used to be addicted to soap? I'm clean now. <laughs> Last but not least, uh, why did the scarecrow win an award? Because he was outstanding in his field. <laughs> wow. Those, Those are good. pretty good, man. Those are pretty good for Thank on the fly. Hello, I'm new here. Great fly guy. <laughs> fly guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Okay, well, we'll be back next week. Live. Yeah. Thanks Direct. for tuning in, everybody. That was a good show. Lots of great info, as usual. Keep it legal, keep it vertical, you know? <laughs> All right. Peace out, y'all. The Friday Wrap-Up, brought to you by Blue Panda Realty, ReferralMortgages.com, and Stephen Hopkins' video, No Flash.